Hi, I'm Jim O'Hare, and who the fuck are you? Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends. Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met. We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am Kevin Alvis. Welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? It is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I am still digesting, and my downstairs neighbor is jamming the fuck out. Uh, I hope you all had a safe and happy holiday for those of you who sacrificed this year to stay home and not see your family so we could help kind of curb the spread of everything. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And for those of you who have traveled and gone out to be with your family and friends, stop being part of the problem. I'm so fucking excited for today's show. Today we have an actor who is from Chicago, now lives in Los Angeles. You've seen him on countless television shows. You've seen him in countless movies, but you know him best as Jerry Gergich from Parks and Recreation. Please help me welcome Mr. Jim O'Hare. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm good, good, good. It's, good. um, the most gorgeous weather in LA right now because we've had extreme heat. Oh yeah. And it's back to, I think it was around 80 today with mm. a breeze, which that's my weather. High seventies, 80. Absolutely. That works for me. Yeah. Uh, I Jim, you. I cannot thank you enough for sitting down with me, man. I tell you, um, and this is zero lie. Um, I, I huge, huge, of course, big parks and rec fan. And I tell you uh, up until just like probably just a few months ago, that show played at least once in my house every single day. It was what played in because uh, I'm I'm the type instead of turning on music when I'm cleaning the house and stuff like yeah. that, cooking, I turn on uh, shows or movies that I, sure. I really like and listen to. And Parks and Recreation was one that always stayed with us. I mean, we, we even into the pandemic, we when we still watch it to this day, and it's an amazing show. I loved you on that show. So having you with me today is just a. I'm super duper like five-year-old kid excited. So, oh, well, that's uh, very but sweet. I want, Thank I want to dig in and I want to, cause I'm, you're from Chicago. I mean, yeah. where, so where did, where did you grow up in, in the city growing up or, or were you out, was, right outside the suburbs? Well, born at a hospital in blue Island. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the burbs. And then I, I was raised in a little town called Lansing, Illinois. Mm -hmm. It's on uh, it's a South South suburb. It borders Indiana. Like we would, when we were kids, you know, we would take our bikes and like ride crisscross Indiana, Illinois, Indiana. And we thought we oh, were so cool. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm in Indiana. You're in <laughs> Illinois. You know, just kid stuff. Um, I was like, where so you guys been? Indiana. Indi yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we yeah, went across the state line, like big deal, you know, because uh -huh. it was right. It was like four blocks behind my house. Uh, so it's near like Calumet City. Um, but yeah, the South Suburbs, little little town called Lansing, Illinois. And to this day, when I go back to Chicago to see my family, because I still have a lot of family in the area, uh -huh. uh, I got to do the drive-by of, of the old house. Oh, yeah. You know, the old school, the high school, just some of the, just some of my haunts. Where I got did you go to school? Where was your, where, where, where was your high school? You Lane Tech or where'd you go? High school was called the most ridiculous name of a school ever. Thornton Fractional South. What? Exactly. TF South <laughs> for short. You know, some people, all oh, high school with the tough years. I, I kind of enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, you know, I like days off like anybody, but in general, I was a pretty decent student. Not the okay. greatest, but, you know, I think top 10% maybe, you know, of the class. So, bad. yeah, I, I pretty much got along with all the different crowds. And so, yeah, my high school experience was not, not terrible. It was actually pretty good. That's my great. big regret. Yeah, my big regret is... Uh, and this was strictly just because I was an idiot high schooler. I would have loved to have gotten involved in in uh, the debate class or maybe the uh, drama, you know, like something like that. Mm -hmm. But in my day, you were debate geeks. You know what oh, I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I, I based things. Same thing on in my high stupid, school as well. Yeah. So stupid, so stupid. And I look back because I'd go to the plays, I'd go to these events, the debate, and think, damn, these kids are amazing, and they're. Look what they're doing up there and man would i love to do that but you know so stupid i try to tell everybody you know like i don't have kids of my own but my nieces and everybody and I, it's i think it's worked um it doesn't matter <laughs> just uh, 
do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. Who yeah. gives a crap? Just, just be, be a, a good, good person. person. That's all. I'd be. Yeah, that's all it. That it just matters. Do I've always said, you. I've always said, get a job, pay your taxes. Don't be a dick. Outside of exactly. that, you know, it's kind of open, but, you know. Totally. Date who you want to date. Marry who you do. Whatever the hell you want to do. Make sure it's with adults and it's <laughs> you're not doing <laughs> right. anything wrong. Uh, and enjoy your life. So if you weren't into performance and stuff in high school, like if that wasn't the, the scene you were in, when, when, when did you get interested in acting? Like, was it some later in college? What was the trigger for you? Yeah, it, it, it's weird. I, I'll tell you a pretty embarrassing story. So I, like I said, I was a decent student. Mm-hmm. Uh, not great, but decent. But I was certainly planning on going to college and my family certainly was planning on me going and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But I didn't have a clue, Kevin. I was like, I don't know what I wanted. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I went to Loyola in Chicago okay. and I said, I was going to become an accountant. Now, the reason I said that was because some of my buddies said they were going to be accountants mm-hmm. and I thought, Oh, that sounds cool. So I was basing my future on what my buddies were saying they were going to do. I yep. mean, just very sad. So luckily college did exactly what it was supposed to do. And I started taking other things and getting interested in other things. And one of the things that Loyola is a radio station, uh, I believe, uh, WLUW. And um, I was in a fraternity and one of the guys there was working there. And he said, you know, they're looking for people to fill shifts. And I said, I don't know how to do any of that. He goes, it doesn't matter. They just need bodies. Like, you don't have, you know, it's not like the station went out across the city. It was strictly within like a six block (laughs) radius of the school. It's not a big deal. Um, So I did. And I'll tell you, I knew pretty quick that I really liked it. I liked that um, I could say what I wanted. uh, I could do what I wanted. I could play the music that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just, they didn't care. They were just looking to fill the airtime. So when push came to shove and I finally had to commit to something in my life, um, it was actually, I'll remember my mom said to me, it seems to me you always lit up when you talked about that radio station. And I really did. So I went out and I got a, uh, went to some place called the Midwest Broadcast Academy, which is no longer there, okay. uh, but it was in Chicago. And I got, because in, in those days, I don't know if you have to have it now, but in those days, you had to have a license to be on the air on radio. And I learned, you know, in this place how to edit and because in the old days, you know, you had reels. So you would be editing with, with a razor blade and a piece of tape. And I mean, it was, <laughs> it was crazy, but I, I loved it. I really did. And so after it was all over, I sent out my demo reel to, I don't know, 30, 40 different places around the country. Mm-hmm. But I did get a call from a place in uh, Rensselaer, Indiana. And okay. Yeah. And uh, I went there and met with them. And he said, you're going to be the mid-morning guy if you want it. And I thought, yeah, let's give this a shot. Ultimately, I learned so much great stuff. I mean, so much great stuff. I paid my dues. Oh, Mm -hmm. Lord, did I pay my dues there. That being said, it was uh, the owner was a nut. He was punching holes in walls all day long. Oh, my God. Uh, My apartment cost more per month than I made. Oh, wow. I mean, it was just like... It was a terrible mistake that really wasn't because I learned so much and uh, it kind of, because a weird thing happened, which I'll tell you now that led to what everything else that has now happened. Uh, So I had the midday morning show and it was a a small state, you know, small town station. Uh, I would go, oh, so embarrassing. I'd go, you're on the air in Rensselaer with Jim O'Hare. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't even rhyme when you pick it apart, but close enough, close enough. You you slur it it just right. If you say it right and you say it fast enough, mm-hmm. nobody's, you know. So uh, I worked about 60 hours a week, two different stations. They had the AM and the FM. But the AM station, it was my own show for three hours every day. And I could talk about what I wanted to talk about. I could play music. But it's a farm town. Mm-hmm. So you got to cater to the people that are listening. you oh, know. Yeah. And so there's a lot of talk about pigs. And people would call in. They had this thing called a party line because people were going to uh, Jim, I have two head of cattle that I'm willing to trade oh, for wow. a John Deere tractor. Yeah, like just crazy stuff. That's and crazy. Kevin, we had it was crazy, and we would have um, contests that people could win prizes for. It. And the prize was always a six pack of Pepsi. That was <laughs> the prize. Okay. And dude, people would drive forty miles to pick up that six pack of Are Pepsi. You kidding me? Really? And they can just cost you more in gas, right? Than- anyway so it was lunacy but one day i'm on the air 
the secretary comes in and, uh, during a commercial break and she just says, Jim, someone wants to talk to you off the air. Uh, and I said, well, okay. We've got like another three minutes of commercials. I just figured some local person calling about something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it turns out some guy, his daughter went to a, a, the school called St. Joe's, which was in Rensselaer okay. College. And he said, listen, uh, I drive by, I drive through here a lot, you know, because my daughter goes to school. Uh, I think you're really funny. And I just want to throw it out there. If you ever think of changing things up, you should try Second City in Chicago. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I certainly know Second City, my God, who doesn't right. know Second City? Of course. I said, oh, thank you very much. That's, yeah, he said, I think you'd be a great fit. Um, I listened to you a lot back and forth, and I, I think you'd be a good fit. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. Appreciate it. So another six months goes by, and I'm doing the show every day. Uh, and it was crazy. Like if there were snowstorms, someone would have to come and pick me up on a snowmobile because it was in the snow belt. Oh, wow. So they would have to get me up. Oh, it was so much craziness. And when I look back, I do have a lot of fond memories, but it was also, you know, financially stupid. It was, but here's a silly that's, story. That's but one life day, building though. That's that kind of life it was building life stuff. Building, you yeah. know. One day my parents drove out to see my apartment and to, you know, visit me. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. So apparently my dad had said to my mom on the drive there, listen, no matter what goes on, don't say anything bad about the apartment. Just be supportive because, you know, this is new and he's trying to figure it all out. So great. I don't know any of this happened until later. Uh -huh. So they come into the apartment, they walk in and they had to go up this flight of stairs. So we're, I don't know, we're two minutes into them walking around and I look over and my mother is crying and oh I go, God. what is wrong? And she goes, what did we ever do that you would end up living like this? Oh. And it was, and my dad's like, Eileen, I told you don't say anything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you know, it was a rundown garbagey apartment. That's it's, all I could afford. Yeah, it was, the first places are always exactly. rough. Exactly. And my dad kept saying to Eileen, it's his first apartment. It's fine. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, once I, once I knew it was time to get out of there, when the checks started bouncing, the $120 a week I made started bouncing. Oh, no. I knew it was time to get out. And that sec, that call never left me. That idea of second city. So mm -hmm. I did some research. Uh, drove down there, met with some people down there. And I said, I'm going to give this a shot. So I started taking classes there. They finally, I get on stage and I got my first laugh and something clicked. I don't know what it was. Uh, I, I've told the story before something. I, I just knew, oh God, this is it. This is what I want to do. This this is doing something for me. Now, never thinking in a million years it would pay my bills. Right. Never. I, but I just thought, I'm going to need to keep doing this. This is lovely. So that's what I did. A lot of classes, a lot of this, a lot of that. And then I met up during all this with five other people who ended up, all of us just kind of clicking and having the same kind of sense of humor and mm -hmm. that. And then we started our own comedy group. And we were called White Noise. Oh, and awesome. we performed at a place called the Rock. Yeah, we performed at a place called the Roxy. Um, but we would perform there. And we stopped doing a lot of improv. And it was mostly written material. But we did a lot like these, you know, themes of one show was called Book of Blanche. And the whole each sketch, you didn't realize it. But by the middle of the show at intermission, all the sketches had mingled. And people were like, whoa we would run off stage and our characters would pop up onto a screen as if we ran onto the screen as a cartoon. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, yeah. And nowadays I'm sure people can do that on their iPhone. You know, I don't even right. know. But then but we're, that's a huge but then deal. We're talking not 89, 90. That was not done. So it was pretty cool. And so we were getting a lot of attention, which was nice. Then we did a show Oh, and in the meantime, I started auditioning for legit theaters in Chicago. So now I'm, you know, I'm working at the Raven. Uh, oh, oh my God, so many. Yeah, Raven's uh, still here. I saw where you yeah, worked with Straw Dog for a while as well, too, right? Straw Dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, to this day, I tell people who are looking to get into this business, start out in Chicago. Mm -hmm. There's so many great theaters. Now, I realize this time in our lives, we're right. shut down. But this, too, shall pass, hopefully sooner than later. So it's, um, I think there's nothing better than Chicago because for me, and I know everybody's different for me, as much as I've taken all the classes and I've worked with this person and that person, 
I've learned most from other actors. Mm -hmm. That has been always my, uh, I soak up, you know, I just, certain people I could watch all day long. Oh yeah. Um, and just see their process. And sometimes that works for me, sometimes it doesn't, but I've learned so much from other people. So uh, I think it's, I think people should start out in Chicago because to say, oh, I'm going to go to LA, I'm going to conquer LA. You know what? Go to Chicago, mm-hmm. get some great theater credits. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully get your union card because stuff is shooting there now. So if you are going to oh. make the move to LA, you got your bases covered with what you're going to need before you get here. I always, you know, I've, since we moved here and we started working regularly, I realized for me that I consider uh, Chicago kind of like the grad school of life. If you're not the type to go to like to go to grad school for theater or whatever, yeah. but you still want to learn more. It's a great place to do it because you like we were in, when we went to uh, school, we went, my wife and I went to Southern Miss together and we were in the theater department and they, they great program, but they taught us how to be ready for working in places like Steppenwolf and things like that. Right. And teaches how to work in a small storefront. That's no bigger than your living room. And you've got three yes. people there and two in two DeWalt shop lights for lighting equipment. <laughs> yes. And you're just wearing all, you know, they didn't teach you for that. But in Chicago, you can do some amazing work with two DeWalt lights and some black turtlenecks, you know, that kind of thing, you know, dude, so you I, have, really I did a show once out. with one person. Yeah, I did a show once where there was one person, there were six of us on stage, oh, one person in the audience. I've done I mean, it. It's before. just, oh, it's hard. You're still learning. I don't know. I think it's, I just, I couldn't love Chicago more for many reasons. And that's one of them. So what happened was after, so I started doing all these other theaters, you know, when I could, but I was still with my comedy group. And then the guy, Pat Cannon, wrote a show and it's called Stumpy's Gang. And it is so crazy and ridiculous and uh-huh. amazing and horrifying it had everything it had puppets it had blood it had um me i ate 10 twinkies every performance oh, it wow. had incinerators and so we did, started the show and the reviews were coming out and the reader i'll never forget the reader review because certain things just stick with you one of the mm-hmm. quotes was jim o'hare though he seems like a nice enough fellow should be embarrassed to do in the privacy of his own home what he's doing on this stage. <laughs> like, damn! I hope that was wow. framed on your walls. Thank you yes, so much. Yes, oh, I love it. I, I couldn't love that more. I couldn't love it more. But anyway, at the very end, she said, but I have to tell you, I went to the bar next door after the show and people were still talking about it at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, I love And there's something shows. to be said about that. Absolutely. Well, then the show became this cult Oh, great. And people started lining up. They started dressing like my character. Wow. Uh, it was really? crazy. You had, you had exciting. people, fans. You had fans dressing like your character coming to see your show. Yes, with a little beanie on the top. It was just crazy. Um, and then, you know, like everybody, we've been talking about, you know, we should try L.A., try, L, you know, blah, blah, blah. You hear about L.A., the magic uh-huh. of L.A., and pilot season. You always heard about pilot season. So... Uh, Pat and I, we just said, let's give it a shot. What if we brought this show to L.A.? It's crazy enough. From what we've heard about L.A., they're crazy. They might get into this. Uh-huh. So we did a fundraising thing, and we got friends and family and blah, blah, blah. I think we raised, uh, I, I feel like it was 40000 but it, it could have wow. been less than that. I, I don't really, it was many, many years ago. I don't remember, but um, but it was enough to get a theater um, and to Pat and I got into a truck with all of our belongings and all the sets from the show, which were these big wooden sets. Cause there was an incinerator and everything. And we drove our ass to Beverly and, uh, we got to, <laughs> we moved to Los Angeles and it was scary and, and, and wonderful and exciting. Uh, it was everything. So we get here, we start putting the show together and, you know, a miracle happened. The same craziness that happened in Chicago happened in LA. Oh, really? And the That's word fantastic. got out. Yeah, it's a must-see show. Uh, we didn't know if it would transfer, but it did. And then the miracle for me is because, uh, you know, I was kind of the face of the show. You know, all of a sudden, agents are calling and managers are calling me, asking for meetings and stuff because. As I have learned, and many of my friends have learned, uh, when you come out to LA, it's it's not easy. You know, oh, it's tough to I've get heard. agents. It's tough to get representation. 
it's just an uphill battle uh, because the first thing they say is, well, let me see what you've done. Show me your reel. And you're like, well, I just came from Chicago where I've done theater nonstop. Right. Uh, so I don't really have a reel. I might have a commercial here or a commercial there. So it's tough. Um, for me, I was just lucky because after they saw me on stage, it brought attention. Next thing you know, I got agents. And mm -hmm. that's that changed the game for me because their job, and which they did very well, was to get me in front of casting directors. And they did that. And then, you know, I earned my stripes and started booking work. And uh, I, I can say that since I moved to LA and I landed with the truck August 4th, 1994. And I've never once since then had to do anything other than be an actor to make my living. Now, so now you're out, you're out in LA and you've got these people coming after you, which is phenomenal. And you got your agent and all, what was the first, like, what was, do you remember your first like good role where you're like, Oh shit, I've got something solid here. This is, this might take yeah. me or was it like, what do you remember what that role was that, that part that you got in? Within 24 hours. Uh, so I, so remember I got there in September. I, I didn't do anything um, as far as auditioning until after the holidays, because it was all about the play, the play, mm -hmm. the play, the play. And the play was supposed to end in November and it ended up going through February. So it extended, oh, wow. it doubled its run, all that kind of stuff. But once I started going out, within 24 hours, I had booked a movie and a pilot. Oh, and what? Yeah. And at the time I thought, damn, I should have been here. This is easy. My God. Why <laughs> What's everybody talking about? You just show this up, they give easy. you jobs. Yeah. Well, now let me tell you what happens after that. <laughs> so I booked the, the movie was a movie with um, Matt LeBlanc. He was the lead because it was when Friends was like the big show oh, and yeah. they were throwing movies at these guys and all that stuff. Well, it's just an awful film. It's with him. Uh, I'm in it. Um, and a bunch of people, but a monkey, which was a person in a monkey suit. Oh, you were in Ed? The monkey. Ed, yes, yes. I, I've I seen so many trailers for that. that, and I, somebody I just saw some. I was listening to a podcast or something like that the other day, and somebody was talking about that movie. Oh, dude, um, the monkey farted. You know, it was just this whole thing. Uh, and I'll never forget being at the. Um, you know, it was my first premiere. Like, wow! So my mother flew in from Chicago, oh, and my family. You know, everyone's all excited, and we and I'm with my buddies who are there. Some of my buddies who had moved from Chicago to L.A. And I watched the movie and it's all over. And we're kind of all like looking at each other. And I, I said, this is pretty awful. Right. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. I, is this as bad as I think? And they said, yeah, it's not great. I mean, not my fault. I just did right. whatever part I had in it. I, you, you do know. your job. So then I see Matt. Yeah. I see Matt LeBlanc and he goes, Hey, I think we got a winner on our hands. And I remember thinking, wow, he must know so much more than me. Right. Like I'm new out here. I don't know a bad movie when I see one. Well, apparently I do know a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say so, it makes me question everything Matt LeBlanc says now. Well, and believe me, he you couldn't say anything bad about him. hes I've worked with him since. Nicest guy going, just a sweetheart. And, you know, he wanted it to be good. It was his first big. And then years later, when I did an episode of Friends, he introduced me to everybody. He goes, Jim was in my shitty movie. Because they all had a shitty movie. Oh, that's great. That happened, you know, when the first they were throwing movies. At, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, I booked that within 24 hours, both of those things. So that was exciting. And I really thought, well, damn, then this is how it goes. This is easy. Uh -huh. Well, that is not how it goes. Cause then there's many months of you know, mm -hmm. audition, audition, rejection, rejection, more rejection then the occasional callback. And then the, then the booking of a gig and, you know, so it goes and on and on it's gone for the past 26 years. What's out of these 26 years, we'll, 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 we'll talk about Parks and Rec in a minute because that's, I mean, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, outside of Parks and Rec, have you had like, like a favorite role or a favorite part that you've run across, whether it be on TV or movie? Has there been one and you're like, yeah, that one, that one was solid. And that's one I'll always hold, I'll treasure. Yeah, um, there, yeah, there are. Uh, the thing for me is, and again, I, I told you, I know the moment that I fell in love with what I do. I, I knew the moment I was on that second city stage. I love this. Mm -hmm. I still get that feeling when I'm on set. Oh, that's great. So in general, I go to work very up. Like I, I'm, I'm the, Jim O'Hare's on set. He's happy. It's great. just the nature. 
of the gig, like, because I know how many of us, I know how many of us are trying to make that happen. So to think that I am blessed enough to get to work, I'm forever grateful. So I, I'm always appreciative. But in 96, I got called to do six weeks in Vancouver to shoot a remake of Harvey. Oh, and okay. It was with uh, Leslie Nielsen and Swoosey Kurtz, Harry Anderson. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, the cast was amazing. And it was six weeks of joy, just joy to be working with these people that, you know, because to this day, I get starstruck. I love meeting people I have admired. I just still do. I bet. That's why I've, I'm always like thrown when people seem excited to meet me because I'm like, no, no, no. I Anyway, and there's been celebrities who when I've met them, I was so nervous and they go, oh, I'm so nervous to meet you. I go, me? Like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? So um, so that was six weeks. And, and I think we did a nice rendition of Harvey. Um, after Parks ended, I did a film that was written by Ned Crowley, one of my original group from White Noise in Chicago. Uh, Ned became a big ad guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he and he's an amazing writer. And he wrote a film with me in mind. And he had written it years earlier. Um, but none of us had any power. So nothing, you know, nothing could happen. Well, then because of Parks, all of a sudden I have some, you know, I don't know, notoriety or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. And so then he gets uh, an offer from some producers that if he can get me attached to the script, they'll produce. And I've loved the script for the year. I've seen, I'd already seen it over the years. But I said, Ned, now I'm too damn old. Like you wrote this for me when I was like 35. Is this, because, is, is this middleman you're talking it's about? It's middleman. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. It's middleman. And he said, doesn't matter. I can, I can tweak things. We can make this work. And so we shot it. We shot it in the desert mostly, but we also did Vegas. Well, that's kind of the desert too, but um, it was a really, really tough shoot, like really tough, but we had incredible crew. The cast was so amazing. I couldn't believe who we got. I mean, there were actors from Walking Dead. There was actors from the show House, uh, Once Upon a Time, just really great actors. Um, I couldn't be prouder of that film. And Ned knows me so well. I mean, we've been doing things together for uh, since 86, so we're at 34 years, whatever. And uh, he, he knows the, the good and the bad of my career the good is that I've had one and it's mm -hmm. been amazingly fun and it's paid my bills and all that kind of good stuff. But you kind of get labeled and I'm the big, funny, wacky guy. And that's cool. I love being the big, funny guy. That's uh -huh. good. But there's been times it's like, I want something meatier. I want, I want to be able to dig into something. So, um, but middleman, it, it was, a, it was just so great because uh, it was all, dark and i love dark humor i love just do it's dark i've humor. always been yep it's what it's my it's my go-to um and it let me do things as an actor i had never been given the chance yes but that movie i'm very proud of and it was a huge departure like the movie begins it's very jerry-esque mm -hmm. you know from parks oh, yeah and then it takes a, a big old turn. And, I, uh, I've become, because of the internet, I've become addicted to, I, in, my, in my office job, when I first started it, I was, uh, you know, had downtime because it's an office job. And I became addicted to watching movie yes. trailers on Yahoo. I'd watch any movie trailer yeah. that came out and see what's coming out. And I remember when Middleman came out and I remember seeing that trailer and looking at it and go, damn, that looks like a really fucking cool cool movie it kind of had like a breaking bad kind of feel yeah, to it absolutely. and it was like that yeah. like you said it was very dark and dirty but it had but it was funny and, and there are times when you watch the movie where i thought i was dying like physically i'm mm -hmm. in the desert digging a hole and i'm really digging and i'm thinking huh i'm gonna die here today and i was like <laughs> well we'll say he died doing what he loved i was about you to know, say yeah. movie. digging a hole He's in the desert um, let's talk about Parks a little bit. I, I'm I gotta dig in. I'm sorry, what show was that? Have you ever heard of it? It was a Parks and Recreation. It was a it was a great show on NBC for a little while. I think it ran for what seven years or something like that. I, think I, it was, I have heard of it. I pretty good people on there, you know. There were some good <laughs> folks. Um, so that show, um, it came in. It, from what I understand, it was because I didn't start watching it right away. Um, yeah. 
it seemed you like and a lot was, of other people. <laughs> right? It seemed like it was kind of like shifting under the office there, kind of trying to, to be. Like, it seemed like at first it was they were trying to shoehorn it in to be to be a new office, and yeah. but it grew into something. I think, in my opinion, so much more. Um, when you got that gig, were you just like? I mean, was it, was it something you were super ecstatic for? Like was, when you read the script, were you immediately like, yes, like this is what I want to be a part of? Or what was the process of falling in love with that show? Just tell me, every, in fact, my question is, tell me everything about Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy Prohler was born in Boston oh, in great. 19... No, um, yeah, I, I didn't know enough at the time to be excited because here's how it played out. The word on the street was Amy Poehler is getting a show. It was called the uh, the Untitled Amy Poehler Project. Okay. She had just come off of SNL where she was amazing and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm, uh, I don't know what's the term. I, I try to be a realist. And so I, I get the call to audition for it for Ron Swanson, the role that Nick Offerman did. Really? Okay. So, yeah. Now, I'm thinking at the time, because they sent me the script, and it's like, well, this is one of the leads. I don't think they're going to hand... I think I'm too old for this role, and I don't think they're going to hand me this role. But, 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 and then the big but. And this is... Um, whenever whenever any young person going in the business asks me for advice, I have my go-to, because I believe it with everything in me. I have never... Well, let me correct that. Almost never walked into an audition unprepared. Okay. Um, because you never know who's going to be in that room. You don't know what they're casting next week. You don't know what they're casting the week after. You don't know what projects they have going on. So you want to impress the room. You just always want to. Now, have I totally fucked up sometimes? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but I was prepared. I just fucked up. Like, so, but I, I'm always prepared. So my thought on this going in was, well, these are the guys who did the office. So, this show probably has some legs, which means they're going to have guest stars down the road. Mm -hmm. And I want them to like me so that down the road. So I go to the audition and Kevin, it's a who's who. Everyone's there auditioning for it. I mean, people, you've famous people, other nobodies like myself, just everybody's there. Ugh. So it turns out what happened was NBC said to these guys, because um, they always wanted Nick. He was always their guy. But NBC was like, no, we have to see our choices, all the crap that networks do to, right. you know, get their voice in there. And um, so I went in and I did my best version of what I thought Ron Swanson was going to be. Mm -hmm. And I felt good about what I did. And we had a fun conversation in the room. But then I left there thinking nothing more of it other than I hope they remember me when it comes time to get guest stars and stuff like that. So I'm going to say Two weeks later, my agent calls and said, um, listen, they want to see you again for Parks and Recreation. Oh, okay. And they said, but it's for a different role. It's the role of Jerry. Uh, you know, would you be interested? Well, yeah, of course. So I get there. Same thing in the room, in the waiting room. Big guys, little guys, tall guys, short guys, fat guys, skinny guys. So they don't know who Jerry is, uh -huh. you know. Um, so I went in the room. We had a lot of fun conversation. Uh, one of the last gigs I did in Chicago was with Carell. I did a voice job for, um, I think it was Miller Beer. I'm not sure. But um, so I knew Steve a little, you know, okay. not all that well, but I knew him. And so we chatted about Steve a little bit and we're laughing about this, laughing about that. And I leave. And apparently what I found out two years later, I didn't even know this at the time, Greg Daniels said to Mike Shore, he's funny, put him in a desk, it'll work out. <laughs> oh, that's and amazing. So we get, the, yeah, we get the call a week later, I think. But my agents, and I'm not knocking them for this because they were thinking of me, but they said, we want you to think about this. We, we think you might not want to do it. And I said, why wouldn't I do this? Right. And they said, we don't know exactly what the show is yet. We want to put Jim in a desk, but we don't know what's going to happen. It might just work for a couple episodes and then we don't use them anymore or whatever. It didn't take me two seconds to think about it because I said to them, you guys, these are the people who created Kevin and Phyllis, mm -hmm. and Stanley, and Angela. Um, it's worth the risk. Absolutely. And worst case scenario, I make some cash because they were giving me guest star money uh, to do these episodes, but I wasn't a series regular. I said, I don't see the downside. No. And we were guaranteed, it didn't just go, um, it wasn't just a pilot. NBC said, shoot six of them, which was the good oh, and wow. the bad of 
Yeah, and that was the good and the bad. The good was, hey, who doesn't want to be given six episodes? That's right. awesome. Uh, the bad is, the when you do a pilot, you when it's done, you can figure out what worked and what didn't. So there was never an intention for Leslie Nope to be Michael Scott. That right. was never the intention. But in the pilot, in those first six episodes, she's a little bumbly and a little bungly, and yeah. it's it it turned people off. It just did. It turned people off because they said, oh, well, this is just The Office. This is a ripoff of The Office. Yeah. That was never their intention. Um, so during, I think we turned people off. So, but thankfully we got picked up after those six and they reworked it so that Amy became the Leslie they always wanted her to be, mm -hmm. you know, this smart go-getter, a little nutty, of course, right. but you know, this really strong, strong woman, um, not at all Michael Scott. So, um, we do the six episodes and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'll ever hear from these people again. I, I don't have a clue. But I can tell you that the feeling on set, they wanted, they, everything they did made me feel part of it. They oh, never amazing. made me feel like I was some guy sitting at a desk ever. It was, I was included in this, included in, the, it was lovely. Um, but then the six weeks are over. I don't know if the show's getting picked up again. I don't know anything. But then we get a phone call. And my agent calls and said, listen, they got to do some um, filler. And they, everyone's out of town except you and Amy. They were wondering if you would, meet up some location, some forest in LA, and they're going to shoot some stuff with you and Amy, just improv. And I said, yeah. I mean, Oh, is yeah. this when you're, when you're out looking at leaves with the kids? Yes, yes. with the kids and everything. Yep. And I was terrified because Amy Poehler, I'm sorry, she's the queen of improv. She's amazing. So she's amazing. And I got to see it for seven years. And I like to think I can hold my own, you know, right. I've actually been arrested for once. But anyway, <laughs> I bet you've been a great crowd. Uh, no, but I can hold my own. And but still, it's Amy Poehler. So we get out there, and apparently what I heard again later was the producers were like, oh, yeah, he can keep up. This will be oh, good. That's, so that's got to be I, a great feeling, too. That's yeah, got to be one of those I things. Apparently, I solidified my place there then. And then we got picked up. And then by season two, I had my own episode already when Jerry falls into the creek and, you know, the burrito, yep, and the he burrito. says he was mugged and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but then... I think, I don't know, episode three or four in uh, season two, I was, I was just landing in Miami. I don't know what I was even going there for. And my agent uh, manager called and said, they're going to make you a series regular. And I was like, oh, damn, yeah, That's a great feeling. That's so, going to be a great feeling. Yeah. When, when you all started, was it a situation where I know sometimes it takes people to warm up to each other. And sometimes when you get a group of people together, they just click in, uh, in, and click right away and connect. Take a little time to fall into that. Or was it kind of like out the gate, everybody kind of seemed to click. Um, I kind of feel out. I mean, there was, you know, there's always, you're getting to know people. So there's a little hesitation, but I think out of the gate, it felt pretty right. Oh, like I'll never great. forget one of the producers who ended up producing, uh, co-creating with Mike Shore, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. And he was walking by and me and, and Nick and, um, oh God, who else was sitting there? Might've been Paul Schneider. I forget. And he, I remember him saying, and it feels like yesterday, but my God, it was, uh, Oh nine, I guess when we first did it. And he said, uh, you guys, you realize what this is the start of, don't you? And we were like, uh, I, I don't really, I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know because mm -hmm. who knows? But it was the start of a pretty amazing turnaround for all of us as far as our careers and everything. And I don't know, we just all clicked pretty quickly. Um, I think we learned each other's comedy pretty quickly. Uh, Amy always called it lightning in a bottle that we could all come together, kind of stay in love the whole time. And, you know, because I've been on a lot of shows before Parks. I've been on shows after Parks and nothing has ever been like Parks. And, you know, I've seen, you know, you see these actors on the late night talk shows. Oh, we're a big family and we this and that. And I'm thinking, I was on your fucking show. That was not a family. <laughs> and if it was, it was very dysfunctional. But anyway, Parks, there was never, I can tell you in seven years, 126 episodes, I've never heard a raised voice. Really? I never saw one actor shit on another actor. I never saw, because you know, I've been on shows where you hear people go, oh, why was she on Letterman last night? Why wasn't I on? We had none of that at oh, least that's... that i saw i mean i can only speak from my own experience mm -hmm. i never saw it um 
Now, what went on in the big offices upstairs? I don't know, but it yeah. seemed like they were having a great time too. But so, if it didn't carry over into the in, onto the set and the in your days of work, I mean, that's a great sign right there. I mean, if if yeah. if people were having it, those moments, it was able to at least stay away and still keep that. I mean, because all families kind of have those moments, but I mean, being able to still sure. stay so close and that tight like that—that's that's a really great thing. That is a really great yeah, thing. Yeah, and a have. set the, the 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 mood on a set is dictated in my opinion, by the lead actor. It's just mm -hmm. the nature of it. That's the person right. that's there the most. And Amy Poehler, you know, people, oh, and she's, you know, pretty and talented and smart and all that, which, of course, she's also incredibly kind and incredibly gracious and generous. And so Amy was all about all of us looking good. It wasn't just Amy Poehler. I've been on shows where it is about certain people. And if you got a big laugh on a table read, that mm -hmm. laugh was gone and it was given to the other person Ugh. by the time you did the next, you know, table That's... read or you shot at whatever. Amy Poehler was never that person. So she showed up on set with a smile on her face every day. And it's not just because that's who she is as a person. She knew that was important because believe me, life happens over seven years. Mm -hmm. I went through my, you know, my mother passed away. Amy had a divorce. Life happened. And right. so shit goes down. But on set, Amy walked on that set every day with a smile on her face. We had a crew that 85% of our crew stayed with us for seven years. Oh, wow. That does not happen. No. It just doesn't. It was just the place you wanted to be. So, but, so to answer your question, pretty quickly, we were all in sync. I really feel that. And Jim, that is the right answer. That is the answer I wanted to hear. Oh, good. <laughs> I was like, oh God, please don't let me hear terrible stories about behind no. the scenes. I don't want that. To, I don't want that to crumble my world because honestly, like there was, I was hitting a, uh, I think where I really fell into that, um, show i think it was probably around when i about five years ago or so when i when i was turning 40 and i was hit you know you hit 40 you start questioning everything in your fucking life and you start yeah. sliding into that midlife crisis and i was hitting a, a, a kind of a rough spot in my life and parks and recreation became a part of my life that helped pull me out of that to, to sound cheesy that dark spot in my brain like that that parks and recreation became my 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 light for a little while that thing that kind of helped me like you know, if anything works out wrong, I was just, I was watching Parks of Rec and everything will be a little bit better, you know? I and so that. I was I really that. glad to hear that, you know, watching interviews with the cast and everything that everybody sounds like you when you say that, yes, absolutely. Everybody was on board. Like we loved each other. We're still family. We still hang out. We still talk. We still do this and that and this and that. And I was very happy to hear that because so many times you hear like, oh, I'm so into this actor or this show and this and that. And you hear the stories yeah. and they're like, well, so-and-so is actually an asshole, you know? TV and movies and certain actors and performers and, and relationships on these shows and stuff like that, they touch so many people in so many different ways that you don't realize. Because I mean, you're doing your job as an actor and you're having fun and you're and you're, you're performing and you're doing what you love and, and you do it for people because you want them to enjoy it. But you don't always get to see how deeply you touch them until you meet them. And they just like, when you popped up on the Zoom meeting, my, I, my, my insides fluttered because of like, oh, oh crap, Jerry's on, Jerry's on my, damn it, Jerry's on my computer. What the hell's going that's on? So you know? so and that's what I know. I know. And, and, and I get that way with a lot of people too. Right. I just can't imagine anyone does that for me, but apparently they do. I don't know. It's all oh, crazy. Absolutely. It's crazy. I have to ask this too about the show because I, your relationship character wise, Jerry, Gary, all of those names. Um, Larry Perry Barry, you got oh, it. Oh God, it's just you had such a unique relationship with everyone because everyone you were on the show, and from what I understand and what I'm seeing in real life, the nicest guy ever. Yet everyone how dare you? you, ah, you how dare you? I'm sorry, I'm just trying you to kiss mother. ass. Mm. But everyone, <laughs> everyone fucking hated Jerry so much and treated him such like shit. At what point in the process, what did, did the writers, was that something that the writers were like, hey, that, let me float something by you? It all comes down to a guy named Dan Gore, who I mentioned earlier, who mm -hmm. ended up co-creating Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, everybody that and, created all those shows are amazing. Sorry, I had to pop that Exactly. Well, Dan came up with the idea during the episode that we were playing, trying to find dirt on each other. And that's when they realized that's who Jerry is. Oh, he's okay. going to be that guy who just doesn't get it all. And he's kind of different than the rest. And so Mike tells the story is once, because that went over very well, uh -huh. obviously. And 
it got so to the point where he had to say to the writers, stop writing Jerry jokes, like about how they could slam me and mock me. Right. Cause he goes, that's all everybody wanted to write were these terrible things that were going to happen to Jerry. But what changed everything was Mike said to the writer's room, if we want Jim to stick around, it can't just be all bad because what, who would stick around like this? You right. know what I mean? He'd kill himself if everything is, everyone's constantly mocking him and teasing him. Mm-hmm. And so Mike said, we got to give him an amazing family life. And then, uh, you know, a couple of weeks go on and the word comes out, they got Christy Brinkley. Now, normally they give you a, a prototype who they, they'd they love to get, but that never really works out. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have worked out with Christy, except for her daughter was obsessed with Parks. Really? And she said to her daughter, I got an offer to do a show called Parks. And the daughter goes, uh, her daughter Summer, Parks and Recreation? She goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, oh, mom, you got to do it. I love that show. It's my favorite show. And she goes, well, they want me to play someone's wife. And Sailor, because I've seen her many times since, uh-huh. she said, I was going through in my head, who's who's single? Who's single? And she goes, Jerry's wife? And she goes, yes, Jerry. <laughs> and she goes, mom, you got to do it. So that's why Christy did it. So yeah, they gave Jerry some amazing stuff. Uh, some yeah. really great stuff. And I mean, you really, I, I just think you just really crushed that role. I, I, you, oh, well, thank it was you. always so much fun to watch. Uh, before I let you run, I want to jump back real fast just to ask, uh, just back to yeah. Chicago, because I know you come back here uh, to visit, like you said, for your family and stuff. Are there any um, old haunts you like to go to? Any specific theaters that you're a fan of that you're like, oh, I'm in town. I got to go see whatever yeah. so-and-so is doing. Or is, is there some place you're like, oh, I'm in town. I got to go here to eat because they have this thing that I love so much. What's what are your What are your favorite Chicago little spots that you still like to come back to? Well, like every Chicago one, I hate the pizza here in LA. Just yeah. hate it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the worst. Um, I have Lou Malnati's uh, frozen in my freezer because they deliver it for two pies, $60 frozen. Oh, best wow. Deal in the world. That's awesome. Uh, so I get that here. But I go to Lou Malnati's when I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portillo's, of course. Oh, yeah. um, theater, Lifeline Theater. I think they've always done some really cool stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so I love to go there. I go to the Annoyance just to see what crazy shit's going on there. Because they always have a bunch of stuff going on there. Always Absolutely. have a bunch of stuff. Um, I had a favorite bar. Uh, that I heard six months ago, it's gone now. And that broke my heart. It was mm. called Guthrie's. It was I love Addison. Guthrie's. Uh, Guthrie's was I my know. meeting place. If I had a meeting with somebody, it's like, meet me at Guthrie's. Loved it's very it. low key. It's very chill. They have all the board the games. games. They had yes. games everywhere. It was my go-to for many, many years. Yes. It was my go-to. And whenever I'd go back, I'd always go and have a beer, whatever, you know, and just hang. And uh, Jim Lemming was still the bartender for a lot of years. Anyway, so... Uh, but it's gone now, which is heartbreaking. But, um, you know, if I have the time, I always look, I'll grab a reader or something and look and f- try to find a storefront that has a really look interesting looking show. Um, and I'll just show up. Oh, that's and, great. That's a, I'd say, and I love that. I love the fact that because so many people do come to Chicago or come back to Chicago and they know it's a theater, it's a theater scene, but they are worried yes. about Steppenwolf and Goodman. It's like, they're, don't get me wrong. They're amazing. They're amazing for reasons, of course. obviously. Yes. But some of the most amazing work that you find here too are those small little 30-seat theaters where it's just jam-packed in a small room and everybody's fanning themselves because it's a little hot. And you yeah. see an amazing show that's, you know, just every bit as good as any main stage at a, at a Steppenwolf. Now, that's my favorite thing to do. Uh, just find a small little theater and see what's, you know, read, read the caption. If the caption catches me like, Oh, that looks like a good story. Mm-hmm. And I've gone and sometimes have been so blown away by a performance. Um, and again, I have always said this, um, you know, I'm so fortunate to have had the career I've had because I have friends who could outact me in a heartbeat. I mean, I have friends who are just amazing, who can't get agents, mm-hmm. who can't get a manager, who can't be seen. So uh, it's not a fair business by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, So I, you know, sometimes I'll see someone and go, my God, that person should be the star of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you never see them again. Uh, just because that's not how it played out. Uh, it's just a weird business. It's just weird, but I love, love, love going to theaters. It's great for the community to see people like you who grew up here, who started their careers here, coming back and then supporting those small spaces like that. I think that's very important just for the morale, uh, knowing that the interest is out there for people who are, you know, 
known in the field who are coming back and saying, Hey, I want to see your stuff still, you know, and yeah. not just focus on those houses. So I speak for the entire Chicago theater community where I say, thank you for doing that because it means a lot to all of us <laughs> to have faces like you in the audience. So, um, Jim, I like to end all my episodes with a thing called uh, same three questions. And these are three oh, questions okay. uh, that I ask all of my guests, the exact same three questions every time. I just like to hear all the different answers that people might have. Okay. Uh, so uh, first question is uh, you, Jim O'Hare. If you could have one superpower, which would wow. it be and why? Well, I think for me, it's kind of easy. I would want to be able to fly. I think yeah. that's really, I just, I don't know. I've had a lot of dreams where I'm a, like flying, like not that I'm a bird, but I am flying somehow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think that would be cool. Yeah, I, that for me is a no-brainer. Okay, great. Uh, number two, if you died and were reincarnated as a sandwich, which oh, sandwich boy. would you want to be? Wow. Like Kevin, what sandwich uh, is Jim O'Hare? Wow. Well, please, as my family would say, bologna. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, to go against what they would say, I'm going to say... You know what? I'm going to say a club sandwich. Okay. You're going to get a little bit of different things. You're going to get a little turkey. You're going to get maybe a little ham. You're going to get some cheese. You're going to maybe get bologna if you're into that. But I mean, right. a little bacon, your, a little bacon. You're going to get some lettuce, a little good of the lettuce. So there's a little good. There's a little, there's a little healthy stuff. There's some bad stuff. I think I think a nice club is a good combo. I would. I be a think club. that's a. I I think that's a great. I think that's a great answer. And I will. <laughs> for the short time we spent together, I agree. I think you are a delicious club sandwich. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And uh, last question. Hey, Jim O'Hare. Uh, blue or green? Well, I, I, my my go-to is blue, but I do love a hunter green. Mm. I'm just saying. And I only know that because I never knew there was all these different colors until I had work done at the house. And it turns out there's a bunch of greens and blues. Normally I tell people well, that whatever answer they chose on that one is wrong, but today you, you are right on both answers. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, uh, I honestly, I like being smarter than your other guests. There you go. All right. And that's, we'll, we'll put that yeah. as a tag on, on the show when we, when we post it, Jim O'Hare smarter than all my guests. Um, they'll absolutely. Uh, I honestly cannot thank you enough for sitting down with me. This has been a, a complete honor and a joy. And, um, uh, man, you've just, you've made my pandemic. I got to tell you, oh. it's just, uh, yeah, this has been a real, real treat. So thank you so, so much. Um, oh, uh, I, I'm sure it's probably pretty fucking easy for people to do this, but if one people wanted to follow you on social media or do you, things like that, like you, are you a social media guy? I mean, how much do you put out there? I'm not great about it. Uh, I get reminders from my publicist every once in a while that you haven't done anything for a while so uh but you can find me jim o'hare j-i-m-o-h-e-i-r at twitter you know on twitter it's just at jim o'hare i think on instagram i'm the real jim o'hare okay uh, and then on facebook just jim o'hare okay. yeah i'm out there excellent well go find jim and follow everything what what do you have anything of, i should have asked you do you have anything coming out soon like any anything we should be looking out for uh, any shows or movies nothing i can really promote right now okay well keep an eye out folks because yeah. there might be something coming out pretty check soon. out middleman it's a it's a crazy film thank you so much i do appreciate you uh coming and hanging out with me tonight so thank you so much thanks kevin this was my pleasure you're so very kind thank you thank you I cannot tell you how much fun that was. It was just really awesome to get to sit down and talk to Jim. A fucking great, nice guy. Well, that about does it for this episode. Make sure you've subscribed to us on Stitcher and Apple Podcast. Also, be sure to give us a review. Give us some stars. It's how we get our name out there, and we can get some more people to listen, just like you. I also want to give a big thank you to my dear friend, Mr. Jason Moody, who wrote and performed my theme song. It is the shit. Be sure to join us next time when we have a brand new guest, but ask them that age-old question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.